We have made it to the expedition base. It's a rig about three miles off the coast of Gabon and it was a hectic day with a lot of traveling. So we left the airport hangar by about 10 a.m. local time. We should have left earlier, but there were some problems getting the SUVs through to us. It had to do with the fact that the back windows were blacked out. Of course, this is necessary, so the crew doesn't realize we are in Africa, which is also why we had to stay at the hangar last night. <laughs> to prevent the crew's passports from being stamped with Gabon, we had to put up with some hefty bribes, but the local president doesn't really care what we do because it's just about tripled his budget for the next couple of years, which will definitely buy him some popularity. Anyways, we took the SUVs to the coast and took our boat to the rig. Unfortunately, there were small complications at every turn, pushing our arrival to the rig about four hours behind schedule, but we made it. There was definitely some grumblings about the blacked out windows from the crew. They were upset because they didn't even get to see Australia, to which I replied, sorry boys, this is the only transport the company could provide. Also, I should probably start referring to the crew by name. Um, there's Jamie, Brock, and Sam. All young operators, all from Texas. Jamie actually got motion sick on the car ride out to the coast, and Sam got sick on the boat ride to the rig. So all in all, morale is starting off kind of low. But we have to be up in about four hours to make it to the ocean floor by 9 a.m. tomorrow. I better tuck in. End of audio log six. What's going on, everyone? This is the Sticky Buttons podcast. This is your host, Brandon. And this is Blake. And this is the Sticky Buttons podcast, the podcast where the buttons stay sticky and games are not sticky. And the games are not sticky. There we What's go. up? What's going on, Brandon? How you doing, bud? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. You know, eating some some bites over here, some trolley bites. Yeah. What is that? Snacking. Snacking while I'm podcasting. You guys can't see. Oh gosh, like the trolley like, bites. Okay. They're like they're like the the gummy worms, the sour gummy worms. These are arguably the best sour gummy worms. I'm gonna be honest, man. I was always a fan of the airburst extremes. Do you know what those are? Airhead, airhead extremes. Oh no, the airhead extremes are tough. I love those. Those go hard. Yeah, I I don't think you can beat those, man. Those are so good. Oh man, they have like honestly. While we're on this, man, there's like this trend where they're putting these like like your those kind of candies and like they're called bites and they're just like a bag and you can just like pop. Just like pop. (laughs) So good, man. I don't know. Just like like popcorn, you know. Popping them in your mouth. <laughs> hey yo, uh, I'm a I'm probably my favorite one of those. Well, I mean, while we're talking about this, not the yes, I just feel like I gotta shout it out. The uh, the nerds, man, they're oh. like they're like the nerd jellies. I think that's what they called. They're called I don't maybe know. the ropes. I know the nerd ropes. Oh. It's like those are ropes. those are okay. Uh, you gotta get the nerd jelly beans, man. That's I call them nerd jelly bean. They they changed the name last year okay they're called nerds big chewy big well, chewy I've never had that yeah that's weird they should have stuck with jelly beans man i've never had that <laughs> yeah dude the the nerds big chewies you gotta look them up they're basically they're like a jelly bean but then they have like a hard shell that's like the nerds on the outside big chewy. 
They are primo, man. Those are probably my favorite. If I see them, I pick them up, and they're they're pretty good. But since they they used to have them just at a like just at like the Easter holidays, and I like one time I almost paid like twenty bucks for one online, but I I didn't. And now they have them at like your local Walgreens. Yeah, those are delicious. But anyways, man, <laughs> let's dive into our topic for today, which, dude, I'm so excited about. It's a storytelling in games slash games with the best stories. So do you want to kick us off, man? What are some of the, well, actually, before we get into what are some of your favorites, do you specifically play games for the story? That's a really good question. You know, I'd like to say, yeah, I do. When I first started playing video games, I definitely would. But then with the advent of the internet and multiplayer, I started to find myself playing games for, you know, just a multiplayer facet. And then I would find myself, like, after that happened, I feel like that really messed up something in my brain when, like, (laughs) now I only get games for, like, a specific facet. Like, I can't play, for example, Call of Duty, you know, Cold War right now. There's, like, three different facets of the game. There's zombies, there's multiplayer, and the campaign. I have not touched the campaign. Yeah, man, I was about to say the same thing, dude. I, I've actually, I've heard some okay things about it. I've heard some, like, good things, some okay things, and some things that are, like, it's just bad. But not, like, it's not, like, bad game, but it's, like, bad morally. Yeah. I'd be interested to check it out. But, yeah, dude, like, totally, man. Like, I straight up, I honestly, I've hardly even touched the multiplayer of this game. I pretty much just play the zombies. No, and I have friends that, all, they've only played multiplayer. But, like, even with, with like, Halo... I, for some reason, just want to play the multiplayer, but I don't have friends to play with. So I find myself just playing a campaign. Bro, that is so funny that you brought that up. Did you know, did you hear about what's going on with the new, the multiplayer for Halo? It's going to be free, man. Anybody can play it. Anybody can play the multiplayer. And pretty much what you're paying for is just the campaign and like the ability to play the campaign, like co-op and a couple other features. So yeah, dude, I'm totally going to get the new Halo when it comes out and I'm just going to play the multiplayer for free. Cause that's pretty much all I was gonna play anyways. Like I probably Are wasn't gonna, gonna play, play the story. Xbox. Cause I'm never. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, like they said it'll run on the Xbox One, and mine is the launch Xbox One. So I guess I'll keep you guys posted on how that does. Yeah, but I mean, like at the same time, and like that's where I have like my Call of Duty for this or the Call of Duty Black Ops because at the time I didn't have my PlayStation Five. Right. But also, really quick. I guess they just announced that the new COD is going to have zombies too. Really? Call of Duty Vanguard? Yeah. And I kind of said, I'll buy it if it has zombies. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if it's confirmed. I'm pretty sure it was confirmed. But this is being made by Sledgehammer Games. I find that interesting because they, you know, they don't really do zombies. Yeah. I don't know, man. Maybe they saw how many people were playing the zombies this time and they were like, we got to, you know. I don't know. I'd be interested to see that, you know, because I mean, like you said, it's got three assets and then like Warzone is free. And I'm sure like, I mean, obviously so many people still play Warzone, but I'd just be interested. I'm curious curious to see just a different rendition of the zombies. I mean, we've had a couple companies make it. We've had Activision, we've had Infinity War, Infinity War, sorry. We've had Moss. Has Sledgehammer made a zombies in the past? I don't think so. I think they also, from what I saw online, I think they said Treyarch was okay. going to do it. So okay, that's good. Yeah, I'll have to. I'll. I guess 
I don't know. I guess we'll talk about that later because that's not really what we were here for. But I just thought I'd bring it up. But if it does, if it does have zombies, I think that'd be interesting. That I wonder if that's going to be like normal now. I mean, that's definitely something that would get me to buy it because I really enjoy the zombies personally. But yeah, man. <laughs> so do you? I mean, like going off the. Do you still? Do you specifically play games for the story? We kind of got sidetracked there talking about multiplayer. But I guess this would be like before multiplayer really hit off, like PlayStation 2, kind of things like that, like that era before like the multiplayer really hit off. Because I don't know, for me personally, I feel like around the 360 is really when I started like playing the multiplayers. Yeah, around the 360 when Xbox Live came out, that's mm-hmm. really my first exposure to So I guess before that, what were some of your favorite story games? Before that, I really, really enjoyed like GTA titles. Midnight Club, as Rockstar games. I enjoyed Fish Through My Memory for all these titles that I would play. Yeah, dude, it's hard to think back. I actually, man, I was like in the like retrospectively, we were kind of thinking about this topic. I was really having some hard, a hard time thinking about some older games. Because I mean, like I can't just like look through my library right now because I'm away from the apartment. But like for me, before the 360 era, some of those, some of my favorite games were obviously. Well, see, I don't know, because, like, I think about these kind of games, and, like, I was not there for the story. But basically, what, what those would have been, Ratchet and Clank games, Pokemon, maybe, like, one or two, like, DS games. I guess I guess the PlayStation game, like, Champions of Norath. But, like, those really, you're not really there for the story. Those are all, you're just there for the mechanics. Yeah, I mean, maybe part of you was there for the story. Yeah, I mean, like, I definitely enjoyed it. With the Ratchet and Clank, like, there's... I just love the characters. I think it's so silly, especially like the PlayStation 2 era, man. That was just like so childish and kind of silly. And, you know, that was like kind of the time when you're in between like the kid before you're a teen, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's a weird times. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. What about after that, man? Any, any big, any big story games? Skyrim was a huge story game for me. Just getting to know that whole world. So... I guess, like, for Skyrim, was it more like the world building and, like, the lore? Or was it more of, like, the actual story beats? Like, is aren't you, like, a chosen one and you have to, like, meet with gods, I guess? Well, that's the main story. But I, I guess it would be, like, all these different stories and how they tie together. And also just the randomness of it all. You know, that you can never truly finish Skyrim. There are just that many side quests. There are just that many NPCs and, and things for you to interact with. Now, would you consider that the story or would you just say that's like the game design of having to be an open world? See, that's a good question. The reason I ask this is because we kind of picked this topic and then I was really thinking about it and I was really having a hard time with it. And I'm actually going to bring in another game that we've talked about before. And it's on our YouTube channel, The Pathless. I recently beat that game. And I'm going to be honest, man, I didn't really end up like enjoying it, which is kind of why I haven't brought it to the table. I just kind of thought it was kind of repetitive after a while. And the last hour and a half to two hours of the game, I was just like, man, I just want this to be over. Aside from the boss fights, which I thought were like super dope. But anyways, I was I was thinking about this because I was like, I didn't really like the story at all. I didn't really feel connected. I didn't really love the game mechanics of it, but I enjoyed the lore of it. And I was like, I think that's like a, 
important distinction because like the story of it is you're this like girl trying to save these gods from a corrupted individual, the God Slayer. And that's like the story, like you're going through those actions and you're trying to defeat him. But the lore, which is kind of like, you'll find dead people and you can see their memories, read their memories, the last things they were thinking, I guess. And that's like lore building because it like helps you build like a better picture of the world before this calamity that happened. And I just thought that was interesting because I didn't really like the story that much, but I didn't did like the lore and the world building of it. I think that's an interesting thing, like an interesting distinction. It definitely is an interesting d- distinction. We've kind of gotten into a bit of a philosophical debate here. But you think so? Like what is what is considered storytelling in a game? Is storytelling inherently the campaign? You know, like what the writers get together for and, and write? Or is the story inherently all aspects of of just captivating us with the world that you know, we're being put into. Yeah, definitely. I don't know, because there's also the mechanics too. So, I mean, that's one of the things that's like tricky about this medium, you know, because it is like you are kind of interacting with this and you take ownership and you have agency, you know, you have agency and you take ownership for the actions. So therefore, is it a story? Because normally like we engage, and I guess in other mediums, in other ways we engage with story, is like we watch movies or we read books or we listen to any variety of things. But this, I don't know, I guess is, but then it also kind of like asks a big question, are you, is the story just the parts where you're just like a cutscene? Because there's also like, there's moments in between where you get a lot, so. I mean, and, and like you could argue even gameplay. Yeah, because you get to see the whole thing. Even even the gameplay you know from kind of the developer's perspective is a story that's like has been you know meticulously carved out and everything is is like code you know there's a path if you will that you're going to follow and that's inherently part of the story yeah okay so let's go back to skyrim for a second so i was thinking that maybe you were liking like the open world mechanics and how that aided everything but now I'm, I'm, I'm kind of leaning more on where you're following is that like, let's say you play Skyrim and I play Skyrim. We're both going to have totally different stories because of like which character we pick to even begin with. And then we're just going to do different things. Dude, even like to embellish on that point, even if we started off with the same exact character mm-hmm. build, same exact character, everything just the nature of the environment of that Skyrim engine would cause our characters to be developed in completely different ways, depending on how we play. And it was the first time where we had an engine like this at such a large scale. And it was just so exciting. It it was exciting to my young like brain because I had already been exposed to so many video games and then like running into this story I was, you know, I was very, very surprised, but I was pleasant. Yeah, man. And honestly, I just want to say real quick on the Skyrim, dude. I wish we had, I wish we had the next one, the next in this Elden Ring series, you know, I mean, Skyrim was. They, What's the next one? Uh, we don't know really? anything, man. I mean, Skyrim was 10 years ago. We got Elder Scrolls online now, but <laughs> I don't really, I mean, you know, I just like, when's the next one? I mean, I guess that's like a huge question, you know, but. It's gonna 
That is a, a I think huge it's going to come question. soon, man. We need we need a, a title just like Skyrim because we had prior to Skyrim we had Morrowind, uh, Morrowind, and those are Boulder. Something Gate. like that. I think that might be yeah, the first one. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and are they based off of a book? I don't think so. I think the I think the Elder Scrolls is the series, and I think Skyrim is a book in the series. And then I think yeah, I think you're right. Morrowind is before it, and I think they have like Boulder's Gate. No, I mean, but like the whole like lore is it based off of the skies like writing like Game of Thrones? I don't think just so. Like they're coming up with it as they go. I think I think they're kind of coming up with it because they have like I've listened to a podcast and there was somebody that worked at. Uh, what company is it? What company makes this? Is it Ubisoft? Bethesda. Bethesda, yeah, that's right. I think they were they're saying like they worked for Bethesda and they were like a Skyrim lore person. Like their job was basically to, I guess, know the lore. So, dude, I, I want to listen to that podcast. <laughs> I wish I could find. I'll see if I can find it for you, man. Dude, that's awesome. But yeah, dude, that's that's really cool. So yeah, I guess that whole thing. I mean, the whole thing is a story, and honestly, like a story can even transcend games, which I kind of didn't really even think about. But there is this game that is coming out. I think it's coming out in November. That I think we should play. It's called Elden Ring, and I think when when it came out. You watched the. I made you watch the trailer for it, and you were like, "This has big Skyrim vibes." And I think yep. you. I think we should play that one. I think that one's gonna be cool. I think that one's gonna be fun. It kind of looks a little bit more like a dark fantasy kind of art style, but it looks pretty open world. So I'm I'm about it, man. That's my vibe. Also, you know what else gives me big Skyrim vibes that we have not talked about in like a hot minute? Breath of the Wild, man. Breath of the Wild two that's coming up. No, just the first one. Not really, not for me. You don't think it gives you, doesn't give you Skyrim vibes? It's just Zelda is so, like, it's its own world. Yeah, I guess that's true. And that's, and then tying it back to the topic, it's like, storytelling is so powerful because with Breath of the Wild, we have this really intricate story that's oh, captivated yeah. millions of people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, on that same vein, we have, like, Skyrim, which is, like, countless of stories being told at once, but many people would get the references in that whole world and and to even compare the two is borderline blasphemous <laughs> so no i mean yeah no that's good because i mean like honestly like not like thinking about it like the story of breath of the wild definitely like gives you like a framework to how to play whereas like skyrim like yeah you just do anything i think i might need to put some more time in the skyrim man yeah man i know you would really really get a kick out of it Especially with the VR engine, I think that would be the perfect way to tap into the VR stuff. Dude. Just play some Skyrim in VR. Yeah, man. Dude, after playing VR, man. Also, this it's not a, it's not out yet on our YouTube, but I I played some VR with Carter. I saw Carter a couple weekends ago. Shouts out to Carter. Yes, a shout out to Carter. And man, dude, I it was incredible. I like you'll see it in the video, but I'm I just. I'm like lost for words. I'm just like, wow. I really was trying my hardest to to say and to stay, I guess, to make it make it sound better, you know, like I guess be like a showman for VR, but I couldn't, man. I was just too blown away. It was just like raw and it was in my face. And whew, I just can't wait for you guys to see that. I'm excited for you to see that too, Brandon, because it's pretty cool. I can't and I mean, obviously, like it is a, a screen capture of me playing VR. Also, like you can see a side-by-side of me playing but 
man, it's just, it doesn't even compare. Like even watching it, like I know what I saw and I was like, oh man, this is like still really cool, but it's not as cool. It's actually. It's not as cool as like actually experiencing it. That's good that they, the engineers got it, got the experience to that point. I think I might, I think I might buy a VR headset for myself. Dude, I got my eyes on it because I have this setup now. I think I have enough room if I move my chair. I think I have enough room to get some Minecraft in, some Ogre Scrolls in, just a bunch of titles that I love, some GTA. Like, dude, imagine these titles with your VR headset on. Yeah, man. I, Dude, I get honestly, man, like Carter said it in our episode about VR. Once you haven't listened to that, go listen to that. But he was calling it the real man. Literally, dude, after I took the headset off, I was like, oh, man, I want to go back in. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think I've felt that way in a long time, man. Even like, like most of the time when I'm playing games, it'd be like that. Honestly, man, because like I'll be playing games and I'll, I'll, I'll get tired. I'll get fatigued. I'll be like, all right, I want to do something else. And I think some of that's just because like maybe my body is like staying stagnant. Dude, I just wanted to get back in it, man. <laughs> and it, that's how it be. And it's bro. funny because I was like in the, the clip that I have. I don't know if you'll be able to see it, but there's trash everywhere. It is like not the most beautiful place. I mean, it is definitely so cool and like it is so engaging. And I think they just threw a bunch of trash there. Just like you could see how it would look and kind of like to remind you, I don't know, like pick up, I guess. <laughs> but man, I, I don't know. I think it was intentional because honestly, the when I was in this VR space, I was inside of a trailer, which if you have a VR headset and you're curious, I played first contact on the oculus quest so you were inside of a pretty small space it was a very small space and actually like the because it like is supposed to be like a tech demo for vr like you actually you really don't move your body too much you're the care the actual character that you are is not supposed to like move physically with the feet and could you play sitting down like could you have your headset on and just sit down oh totally well in this one you definitely could yeah. I think I might do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I would want to be standing up though. And I think that's different. Like, it's just a different way to play and so engage. Could I, and I'd be interested. Could I, like, if I wanted to connect my VR headset to my P5, I could like play with my remote and just see things virtually through my VR headset. I don't know about that because I think there, you know, honestly, we should talk more about this. <laughs> we'll get back to our topic in a second. But I think that they're releasing a new PlayStation VR headset. And what I played was the Quest. So the Quest is like its own console, like its own system. Obviously, it's owned by Facebook. And you have to have a Facebook account to like even set this up, which is kind of shitty. And it, like I said, it's owned by Facebook. This is the plans for the metaverse. I guess they all stem from the Oculus Quest. But it's like independently, like it's some great hardware, man. And like it has cameras on it. So like you can see the world around you with the headset on. It also has great speakers and it has like two controllers and that's its own independent thing. And you can get games directly through it and it has like its own menu, its own interface. And then there's like other ones, VR headsets that you have to be connected to a gaming PC to use. I don't necessarily know what those are, but basically you would buy a VR game through Steam and then you would just have it play through the headset, which instead of like, I guess it's kind of comparable to this, instead of playing with like a mouse and keyboard connect to your controller, it's like, instead of putting it on a, a window, you put it on the, the headset with those controllers. And I don't really know what the PlayStation VR is. They kind of announced it. And I guess the like- PSVR 2. 
PSVR 2, yeah. So I guess with the original PlayStation VR, I guess you like if you wanted to play Skyrim in VR, you could do that with the, the OG PlayStation VR. So maybe for you, the PlayStation VR might be a good, or VR 2 might be a good fit. I mean, I don't really know. I can't speak for you. I personally am probably going to get a Quest. But yeah, I mean, we don't know a ton about the PlayStation 2 or PlayStation VR 2 yet. And I think the controllers have been like leaked and nobody knows like what kind of games they're going to have on it or if they're even going to support third party games. But I don't know if that I don't I mean, you're not really the biggest indie guy, so I don't know if that would matter for you. But you never know, man. We'll see. Anyways, back to the back to story games, man. I guess just moving right along. In in thinking about this, I was kind of really there's a couple things that I was thinking about. And like I guess the next next would be the contrast between an abstract, kind of obscure story or an explicit story, which is like one a story where like they infer a lot of things, or one where like it explicitly says a lot of things. And I like do you kind of know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you mean. So I guess like an example is for like a an obscure game or abstract is kind of like Hyperlight Drifter. Like you kind of know what's going on. They don't really fill everything in, but you kind of know enough to keep moving forward. And then there's like other games that are pretty much the whole thing is story, you know, like a graphic novel kind of game or pick any game. Versus Tsushima. Yeah, actually, I wanted to, I was going to bring that up too. That game is a great story. Let's come back to that. <laughs> but... What was I saying? Oh, yeah. So do you have like a favorite? Does it really matter to you? Do you kind of just pick a game up and whatever the story is, you kind of just like whatever. Do you prefer an abstract or like an explicit story? Because I was noticing from myself a lot of my favorite ones. Obviously, I had some first party ones that were very explicit that I loved. But like I kind of like it when it just kind of lets me fill in the blanks and I can think whatever I want. I don't know, man. I really like the abstract as well, where I can kind of think for myself kind of deal but i don't i don't necessarily have a preference so i, I think you no know, stories are, are stories and they're written in a certain way here's actually here's a better example florence for example one of the games that we talked about on this podcast before the mobile game you're specifically walking through story beats of the girl's life and then there's also like the contrast to that would be gris which is a game where it's not it doesn't really say anything and it's a lot of sound and music and you interpret that yeah as you will yeah what were you saying i kind of cut you off there a bit no i know what you mean though like and thank you for elaborating on that you know like stories with a little bit of guidance versus a lot i definitely prefer the little bit of guidance kind of that was the appeal with skyrim and that's kind of my appeal with everything in life that's kind of my approach for education it's one of the reasons why you know i, I do pretty well in college and because there isn't that much of handholding yeah, I've always been that type of person. I just, I don't like to hear people tell me what to do, even if I don't know. Some part of me just wants to figure it out for myself. It's really hard. It, really, it, it is pre- pretty hard-headed, and it could cause me more time and effort, but in the long run, I think, I think life is just a bit more fun that way, and, and video games are just a bit more fun that way. That element, like surprise and ambiguity, and you know that when you figure something out, it's because you figured it out. Yeah, Brandon's a rebel, people. <laughs> no, but yeah, no, I totally get what you mean, man. Like kind of figuring out your own path 
in your own way to do it is, is, is a lot of fun. And, you know, honestly, I think that kind of speaks maybe to why we like video games or why like video games are our preferred medium, because we do have to put those feelers out, have those kind of things, you know, whereas like instead of watching TV where it just kind of tells you everything, it's like you can like accept it and move on or you do get like some sort of choice and agency in a lot of these games. And I, and I wonder if there's more to that and why we prefer this medium over others. Yeah, it's definitely a good point to touch on that. Maybe we find like comfort in, you know, practicing main playing situations and simulations where we basically have to have our own sense of agency, our own sense of choice. I think, especially as, as men, you know, we want to be in those situations and, and being able to simulate that, I think, is the reason why video games have been so successful is because they allow us to simulate these these situations that you know our, our bodies are, are equipped for yeah do you think it's about control at all like having control of a situation i think it definitely has a lot to do with control i think we're obsessed with control and you know you, you'll even see it in the design of games where you know you're kind of rewarded with the ability to control things better or i guess on the contrast when they want you to feel something they'll take an, an aspect of the game away and you lose control like right. you lose part that you've had the whole That's game yeah no yeah i mean i've totally thought about that as well i mean in this new age like you brought up a good point about the i guess the male male mind specifically i wish that we had a female that we could like bounce some of this perspective off on maybe we'll have to have a guest female guest but yeah dude totally we're active beings you know like i I literally, after I got off work today, I was moving my body until I sat down in this chair, you know, and we, we really do. We're just so we're meant to be active. Like that's what our bodies were designed for. And, you know, it's, I think it's, I don't know if it's ironic, but I guess like video games take a long time to like play and you have to be sedentary, you know, to do it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I actually, I really bounce off on, bounce on that a lot because moving to New York, I really struggled just living in new york because i mean like right now i'm i'm out in michigan and i've been out here for a while and i mean obviously like i miss the city and i want to go back that's where my life is but i love being active and doing things and there's just i just feel like there's so much that i cannot do physically in new york i can't go paddleboarding or kayaking i can't go golfing i can go running i can go biking and those are things that i do do when i'm in the city and i just bought a bike so i could do that more like i have a board so i can go boarding and I, I don't know, I just feel like sometimes video games can be like an escape for me when I can't do those things. Like what if the weather's bad or I'm just exhausted, you know, from working, being able to hop into something. Like I think that there is more to that. Or I guess I guess there's some, there is something to that, you know. There definitely is a lot to it. And I'm sure we can get into the psychology perspective behind it or, you know, just like the social, economic perspective. There's so many different angles to tackle it from. There's definitely something going. Video games are a blessing, but there's no question that they target the mind, you know, and they're not really, mm -hmm. they're not really doing much for your body. I mean, that's, you know, with the advent of virtual reality, that was kind of like the, the goal is to kind of get your body normal and become. Oh, you're skipping over the most revolutionary, man. The Wii Fit, bud. The Wii Fit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I can't forget the Wii Fit, dude. I cannot forget the Wii Fit. Honestly, dude, I played the bowling the other day. You did? And it was, it was kind of fun. That's good. I love the tennis. The tennis was my jam. Man, I, I'm a, 
I found a theory that's where I really messed up my, my shoulder. That's where, really? that's where the beginning of my shoulder probably <laughs> The beginning of the demise. It was just me going crazy, man. The tennis elbow, was, man. Oh, man. But yeah. Boxing was really fun. I, I like that, but I hated you had to connect the nunchucks. I feel like it's like the silliest thing, but that like little barrier right there. I mean, it is really, it kind of gives you a simulation of like two gloves. But... Yeah. Honestly, do you want to talk? Like, that's kind of, that's kind of cool. Like looking back, like they had the Wii, like the, the remote and the nunchuck. Like how many, how many controllers do you know you got to put something else in to get the whole thing? Dude, they, I mean, I just love Nintendo for their, their innovation one their ingenuity too and and just like their ability to you know we're gonna try this and you know you guys tell us if you like it they just have so much like trust in themselves awesome oh, yeah that makes me want to play the Wii, man <laughs> i might have to blow the dust off hook it up the design it's there the design was there too oh man it was just they did a good job yeah and nintendo's great man what are some of your favorite Nintendo story games? Because you can't say Pokemon, man. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't say Pokemon. I do like... There's this one Mario game that I like. The Mario story games are all really entertaining. The stories always, always like do their job. They're just so like well done, well put together. So Mario stories, Animal Crossing... Mm. That's a that's a very curated story, from what I hear. I mean, like I said, I've never played Animal Crossing. Brandon's tried to get me into it, but I mean, from my understanding of it, you kind of have a certain like checklist that you have to do, and like to like build your house up and build your town, and then that's kind of it, isn't it? Not really. It's very Minecraft like where you can like sure there are checklists of things to do, but. You, know, you can inherently do whatever you like. You can make your town look however you like. You can hunt whatever you like. You know, you can visit wherever you want to visit. So, yeah. Well, I disagree with that play. Hey, I mean, I've never played it, man. So I guess I can't really have a strong take on it. You gotta, you gotta give it a try, man. That's a good story. Yeah. Um, but another good story that I really liked, and this is, man, this is taking me back, but it's called Fossil Fighters. Fossil Fighters? I've never even yes, heard of that, it's man. Like, uh, kind of like the Pokemon game. Kind of, I don't want to say it was a Pokemon ripoff because that would be disrespectful to the studio that like probably spent a lot of money putting that title together. And I, for one, really enjoyed that title. I think they did a really good job. Oh, it looks like it says right here on Google that uh, Fossil Fighters is a Pokemon ripoff. Oh, God. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just fucking <laughs> It was on the DS, though. No, I'm, I'm, I was just messing oh, with you, man. <laughs> that looks pretty cool, man. Yeah, I really like that story for some reason. Yeah, I actually, I really like the story of this one game, this one DS game, while we're talking about it. It's called Lost Magic. Have you ever, ever heard of that one? What'd you say? I haven't. Yeah, man. It's just like an obscure kind of hero's quest thing, but you learn spells. And every time you wanted to do a spell, you had to like draw a rune on the touchpad so like you actually had to memorize the patterns of the magic in order to use it okay man i haven't thought about that game in a long time yeah, <laughs> you should pick that up dude wizard Damn. wizard 101 i used to play that that had a crazy story fusion fall i've never i haven't heard of that one either 
I used to play that on my PC with the Cartoon Network title. I really enjoyed that. And to this day, I'll bring up that game. And certain people will be like, oh my god, we used to play Fusion Fall. That was my shit back in the day. And like we'd like end up a conversation about it and like how much we used to play. And then this game was like, it's scary how good Cartoon Network was that like attracting 13 and 14 year olds. They were just getting us on this game and getting us to fucking play hours on hours of Fusion Fall. That looks honestly, dude. I'm looking at some screenshots right now. It looks really cool, man. Dude, it was so cool, and it was like this. I little, totally would have played this. There's like so this little culture that like formed in it, where people would like collect items and then resell it at a higher value. It like <laughs> it be it became that whole kind of thing. It was it was like the early advent of that, and it was so like I don't know. It was just such a cool place. I spent a lot of time in that world and that story. It really captivated me, and it it brought together all these different stories from you know the Cartoon Network universe that I was super familiar with already and then just being able to interact with that in the game you know that was so much fun and, and kind of adding on to that i think those are speaking for myself the best storytelling games are the ones that already take these really well-known stories and and you know adapt them and allow us to interact with this world in a way that you know we, we otherwise never would have you know for example things like spider-man things like assassin's creed and you know dude i'm i'm so glad that you brought this up because i was actually going to bring this up too and it just it kind of came up anyways i think that it is like so awesome when you can have like a story inside of like a franchise and i know franchises and like other things like that like it's i don't know it is what it is and this is how do we live in today but the point is is you don't have to do any world building you can just jump right into the story and that is really powerful. And probably my favorite like story game of all time is Jedi Fallen Order, which is a Star Wars game. And like they didn't have to like they didn't have to do any world building. Like you could just jump in. You knew it was a Star Wars game. You know what's going on. And I mean, me personally, I knew all of the background information with that. You know, but I mean, you can apply that to literally any franchise or anything where they or the people that are telling the story don't have to world build because that can take up so much of it, you know? And I think that's like really powerful. Can you think of any other, I mean, you know, you said Spider-Man, can you think of any other franchises like that where it's, they have like a great story it's because it's part of something else and they can just jump right in and tell it, you know? I know you're going to get mad at me, man. Pokemon. <laughs> no, I mean, that that's a great example because I mean, you just hop in, you know, you're going to get three, you're going to, you're going to get a choice of three starters and, you know, you got to take on eight gyms and save the world. <laughs> um, something like, what other titles, man? Like a Dragon Ball Z game. Dragon Ball Z. Dragon Ball Z, man. Your stories just hop right in. Okay, I know I'm in the Cell Saga and I'm going to fight Cell right now and I'm going to go do this, like, whole story. And you just you get really into it because you're just like you know what's gonna happen. Now you just gotta like do it. You gotta experience it for yourself. And and games that like will take a story and kind of give you some like free reign in that world. Something like a Dragon Ball Xenoverse. Have you ever played Xenoverse or heard of it? No, nah, man, I haven't. It's basically based in the Dragon Ball universe, but you just get to make your own fighter and like navigate the world. And there's also a lot of games like that where like they'll take a story and we get to just explore it for 
kind of like Star Wars, the Jedi Fallen Order, right? You, you become your own character. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for the most part with Jedi Fallen Order, like the character makes choices and they're they're kind of like in cutscenes, so you can't really control that. Can't really make a ton of choices. But yeah, no, I totally get what you're saying. Like with the you you kind of like build up in your head what this like character is, you know. And also like 2K as well. That's a title that I played a lot. And yeah. when you play the My Career, there's like a story that's written to that. And they'll get like all of these crazy writers like Spike Lee's and then involved and like Samuel Jackson, just like really interesting people who come in and like help write these stories for a two-play player. Yeah, it's really interesting. The story, man, the story is, is a crucial part. Yeah, I mean, like before we kind of had this discussion, I was really like after thinking about it, I was really kind of leaning on the defense of I, I prefer a game because of it's like mechanics and stuff like that. Something that immediately came to mind. I don't know why it's, it's like just been in my headspace like this like last month for whatever reason. I'm just I think it's because I, I'm playing a lot of Nintendo games and I just want some variety. I just like for some reason, like Far Cry 3 is taking up like my headspace which like is like a pretty open world game. And like, you can do like a lot of things, like a lot of quests, but man, the story is like garbage. And it's actually like, it has some problematic themes too, that it like hits on. And it's like, not, it's not really, yeah, you don't really play it for that. But like, it's fun to play like mechanically, you know, like you're just this dude in this world and you got some guns and you know, I guess, you know, you're saving the world, you know? I love Far Cry. I played three, I played four. And you know, the story, not so yeah. great <laughs> to say the least <laughs> the mechanics are there you know the mechanics are there you get into it you know you, you do want to fight the antagonist they, they do a good job and that's the thing with video games is like well what i've learned from video games is as far as the story goes the story goes through so much auditing and like it's filtered through so many people that like no they wouldn't put it out unless they were like fully fully 100% positive that, you know, the story is going to sell. It's going to captivate people. Ooh, I don't know about that, man. Because, like, when we were reading that the Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, man, like, a couple of those games, they were like, yeah, the game's done, but, like, we don't have any story to fill it. Or, like, they had something, they have the actors. They tried to, like, get the actors to do more, and it just never ended up working because the writing wasn't there. I don't know, man. And then That's so interesting. I've been learning more about gray boxes and stuff and like how they develop games. I think a lot of games, I mean, like I'm, some games, like, you know, they have like the story and stuff going in, but like some of them, I feel like they really just changed all of it up. If you've ever read Blood, Sweat and Pixels, one that was like really coming to mind is the, the Uncharted 4, I think, the Uncharted 4 chapter. And if you haven't read Blood, Sweat and Pixels, you absolutely should in um, Brandon and I, we both listened to the audiobook, and that should be available through your local library. So you should check it out. But anyways, they like talked about how it was like a year, two, maybe even two years into development. They like kind of let her, the creative director went their separate ways. And they like the people that ended up rewriting the story, like they took over and changed so much that I just think that's interesting. Like sometimes I don't know. A lot of the times I feel like the, the good stories, you know, they are planned in advance, but sometimes they just want to play a cool, have a cool game. And the story is just kind of secondary. 
Which on that point, man, Assassin's Creed, I just got to say it. I hate all that Nexus stuff or whatever it's called, the Animus or whatever. No, thank you. I'm out, man. I hate all that. I don't know if it's a hot take or not. I just want to play in these like ancient cultures. Like I'm done. <laughs> I don't like those. <laughs> Dude, but it's a good story, man. Nonetheless, I don't care about it one bit. <laughs> So you wouldn't play an Assassin's Creed game anymore? No, well, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that. I, I don't like the story. I don't like the Animus story. Like, I feel like every time I'm playing it, I'm like, oh, like I'm in this, like I'm about it. And it's like, oh, I get pulled out. Oh, I'm in I'm in the year 2012 or whatever. Oh, I have to steal some data pad or something. I don't know. It just pulls me out completely. Totally ruins my submersion and... I just wish it wasn't there. How about GTA? Do you mess with the GTA story? Uh, nope. <laughs> I, n- I mean, I, I don't know. I've never played a, a GTA story. Pretty much my only experience is like with GTA is just playing to other people's houses when I was a kid. And I never really played the story beats. It was kind of just like fun to mess around. And we'd always like do the cheats where you could get unlimited money, unlimited guns or, or unlimited dope cars, like unlimited helicopters, things like that. Just the sandbox element, like just running around and doing things like that's what I was in GTA for. I don't know if I would feel differently now, but I really have no interest to go back into it, to be honest, man. That's good. That's good. Maybe GTA 6 would change your mind, though. I don't think it's ever going to come out, man. <laughs> I think it will. Maybe they're trying to do like a VR kind of thing. I don't know. That would be ideal. I mean, have you seen? I mean, like, honestly, honestly, honestly. That game, they make so much money on the on like the online for GTA Five. Like, why even you know why even not do that? Like, I, I guess the money's there, so that's why they're doing it. But I mean, eventually, you think they're gonna make a six? I don't know. Yeah, dude. I mean, think about how lucrative it would be to have a VR world where people wanted like spend real currency on in world in game currency. It's just a matter of time before it happens. And if GTA Six doesn't want to take over that market. Somebody else will. So I'm not. Mark Zuckerberg in the metaverse, man. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. Uh, For I guess if you're listening to this now when it comes out, the the metaverse uh, by Mark Zuckerberg, I guess envisioned by Mark Zuckerberg is really in the zeitgeist right now. It's really in the news. Remember when I mentioned it to you a while back? Yeah, I think I laughed at you. (laughs) You you were like, you were like, what the I don't know. I think it's I think it's funny to joke about because I don't know. Mark you laughed. Yeah, people laughed about Facebook. They were, I mean, people laughed. I still laugh. laugh at Facebook, man. I actually I feel kind of bad. I just got on Facebook a little bit ago for like the first time in months. I had some had some message requests that I needed to needed to take care of. But hey, I was on there for the Facebook Marketplace, man. I'm trying to get those fresh retro gaming you, deals. You became you are still the product. And they have sold you like... Yeah, man. Just remember, if a product is free, you are the product. Which, I guess that has something to say about Fortnite. And like Apex, like those are free games. Like, yes, they make money on the microtransactions. But it's a free-to-play multiplayer. And you can't have a multiplayer without other people there. So you're a monthly active user if you're playing one of those free games. Are you still the product at that point? Even if you're paying for microtransactions? I would say so. That's interesting. I haven't thought about that before. I would say so. If you're giving your attention. Yeah. If you're engaging in it. Yeah. 
live in the world where attention is the main currency. Yeah. Even more than money. You think so? You think attention is more important than our currency right now? I think I think there are a lot of things that are more important than oh, money. Oh, for sure. And but people, a lot of people don't think about it. They just get caught up in like the money part. There are so many things that are way more, way more important than money. Yeah, man. Like for example, Your health, storytelling. Health. Storytelling is more important than money. Happiness, love. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. You had a you had a great great segue there, and I totally messed it up. <laughs> no, it's okay. I mean, these are all very important things, but storytelling, yes. I mean, where would we be without our stories? Yeah, dude. Honestly, like really quick on that on that beat. Last week we kind of went down an introspective on art in general and how we think it's intrinsically human. I would almost argue that storytelling is intrinsically human and part of who we are. I would say so as well. It certainly is. What type of storyteller are you, Blake? Are you, do you like to embellish your stories or are your stories like pretty boring and keep you very factual? <laughs> I'm actually going to take it a different route. I, I think that there is so much that can be said and done and, and, you know, just ordinary life and the lives that we have. But I prefer to engage or to, I guess if I'm creating my own story, I prefer to be an optimist. I like that. It's a nice attitude to have. Instead of being a pessimist, be optimistic. Don't be the victim. There's also, I don't know if you've heard this, but me and my girlfriend have been using this. It's, I think it's kind of like, I don't know if it's like penetrated everywhere, but it's like kind of something that's like kind of like become part of my vocabulary at least. And it's like like big main character vibes. Have you heard of this? I saw, I've heard of it, but I know, I'm not too sure what it is. Yeah, so it's kind of like if you're just telling a story or like saying something, you're just like, does that person have big main character vibes? Like I was doing something the other day. I don't really want to get into it. I mean, I it would probably be better if I did, but I was just like doing something like just normal day life and like ever like if just felt like I was the main character, like people were like looking to me. I know. I know and I was like, oh, I guess I'm the captain right now. And I was like, I had, I had like. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're doing. Like I had like big main character vibes in the moment. And like my, actually, I guess just a glimpse into my life, me and my girlfriend were talking and she was talking about how she was driving in a parking lot. And there was this like, like little girl, like six years old and gave her some sass about like stopping as they walked by. And she was like, I was already stopped. But this like little girl like, gave her the hand and like some sass. And she was like, uh, Is, she was the main <laughs> character. We're all living in her world kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I love that perspective. Like, there are some people that this is their world and it never stops. This is their world. 24-7. Be, be your own main character of your own story, dude. Take agency over your life. <laughs> love that. What is the saying? Carpe diem. Carpe diem. That would be a great way to end it. But I do actually have one more question for you on this. We've got more. <laughs> I really wanted to know, man, if you had to pick, I guess, top three, top two, Maybe just the top one. What are like some of your favorite story games? What are some of the ones that just hit home? That's a tough one. I, I knew I was going to ask this question and I I was having a hard time thinking about what I would say if I was asked. And I've had like some time to think about it. Would you like me to go first? Let me, yeah, no, I got another one. Let me just wrap it up. Yeah, go for it. Minecraft. The Minecraft. Yeah, I was, when you get I was to, wanting to bring this up. You get to the end of Dragon. Dude, that's one hell of a story. You get all that experience. It's like, it's a story that's very integrated to the game mechanics. And it, it is inherently part of the story. It's a campaign. 
Well, I got to ask, man, I'm, I'm a person that has, we've kind of talked about this before a little bit on the pod and we kind of just said like, we'd save it for another time. I think now's that time, man. I want to hear about it. What do you have to do to get to the end of Minecraft? How do you get to the Ender Dragon? Elder, is it Elder Dragon? Ooh. Ender Dragon? Oh, man. Okay. So it's the end. You want to go to this dimension known as the end. And the way that you get there is that you build a four by seven obsidian portal and you light it. You light this portal in the middle with flint and steel. Now, here's the catch. In order to actually, sorry, the end is a portal found inside of the stronghold. Every single Minecraft seed contains a stronghold. Are you following so far? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you gotta locate the stronghold, and it's just in a random place underground. Now, the way that you do this is by crafting Ender Eyes. Now, remember what I mentioned you by say seven by four of obsidian. <laughs> Yes. So you got to you got to take that portal to go to a different dimension known as the Nether. And in the Nether, you can fetch all of these different ingredients that will allow you to build the Ender Eye. And the Ender Eyes are these tools that you throw up into the sky and they will guide you to the stronghold. And you keep throwing them up and catching them and it will take you to the stronghold. Eventually you get there and you find the portal. And you got to you got to cover this new portal of 7 by 4 but you got to cover them with ender eyes. Every single block needs an ender eye. And then once you do that, you open the portal and you can jump and go to the end. But the, this is the thing, Blake. When you get to the end, there's only one way out. <laughs> you got to kill the dragon. <laughs> if you don't kill the dragon, you just die. Then you start over. Damn. What happens if yeah, you die you, after you go through the portal? Is it off or not? Do you have to start all over? Yeah, you lose all your things. R.I.P., dude. Did you have like diamond swords, like diamond armor when you fought it? I mean, and ideally you got to build up, you really got to build up resources because you got to feed yourself. You know, you want to protect yourself. So you want to have potions, you want to have enchanted armor. You want to have all these different tools so that you're prepared. You show up empty handed. Damn, that's crazy. Which takes a lot of effort and it takes you really understanding Minecraft and the game mechanics. And, and, and that's really the whole premise behind it. And that's what I meant by it's very well integrated to the game. Is oh, you, you have, have to know to learn, all the systems. You have to learn how to enchant. You have to learn how to fish. You have to learn how to make potions. Like you have to learn all the different mechanics and master them in order to beat the end effect. Yeah, man. I honestly do. You could do it by yourself. You can beat it yourself, but it takes like a long time. I've tried to do it. Honestly, I might do it. Just to say I've done it, like gone through that process. Well, you, you've done it. You've just never done it by yourself. Yeah, never by myself. Yeah, man. Yeah, I think that's like kind of like a thing that I just like kind of like, man, and I just like look up and dream. But you've done it, man. You've done the thing. Yeah, dude. You're like, the main character like, here. We can do it. <laughs> we can do it on the on our server. The server we want to start. We could? Yeah. Hmm. Well, that sounds, that's intriguing to say the least, but yeah, man, I, I guess I'll, I just, I'll kind of say, I guess I have two more things real quick. Like probably my best, like or I guess favorite story game of all time that has just come into mind after I've been thinking about this for like a day or two, which obviously like we've shouted out some great games with stories. This is, this just happened to be, I guess, I don't know. I don't think it's a recency bias, but it's definitely just what I was kind of thinking of. 
and like definitely the mechanics playing this too. So I guess before I get into it, I like kind of like me thinking about myself and like what I like in games. I do think I like the actions more. Like I don't get me wrong. I love the stories of games. This, a good story will definitely propel me through and take a, a great game or a good game into a great game. but i i think that i'm generally just drawn to the mechanics more and how it feels to play and just like the the fun vibes although i do really like series games and one that i i wanted to bring to the table today but i just i couldn't finish it was celeste so i guess we'll be talking about that later that is an interesting story so i'm I'm excited to talk to you about that but basically the story that i kind of like really resonated with me the most was jedi fallen order which like I I as an individual play a lot of indie games and I feel like that is just such a cop out answer even for myself but I think that's probably my favorite game of all time like I love having like I just love all the story beats and I love having like a companion I love that you're like not alone and yeah I'm just so about it dude but yeah so on Jedi Fallen Order I just like I just love it man I love the journey I love the choices that you have to make at the end and like what happens at the end of that game like it just really feels like it just pays off and all the systems like working together and you can finally like just combine all those at the end like i just i really like that and you get to meet like a i guess a memorable cast of characters along the way and they really add to it which i guess also i totally forgot to bring this up characters are totally a huge part in the storytelling and we haven't really even talked about that at all. I will care so much more about a story if there's like characters in it that I care about as opposed to characters that I don't care about. Which actually I'm going to I'm going to take it right back to the, the pathless. For example, this is a very interesting game. I've kind of talked about it. I was very intrigued by it when it came out and I felt like I I beat it cuz I had to. I just <laughs> but you do not have a health bar in this game. You have a stamina bar. And because you can't die like it almost feels like there's no consequences to dying. So I, I didn't really feel connected because there was never that sense of loss to the character, if that makes sense. It does make sense. Yeah. I don't know. Do you have anything you want to say on that? Like any characters that really like added to your experiences or I guess the loss of characters? Definitely like what comes to mind is like Game of Thrones. When like you lose mm. a character and you're like the story can't be the same after this. You're just so devastated, but then somehow the story almost gets better in a way. Except for that last season. (laughs) Hey, we've never talked about this on the pod, man. Where do you stand on this? Do you like the last season? I mean, for for TV, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. You get what you get. You don't get upset. Yeah, definitely, man. That's a that's a great that's a great thing to say. Like for things like controversial things on the internet, (laughs) you get what you get. But also, I do want to say on that, I feel like it's got to be a little bit different because, like, the whole story was based on books, and then he never finished. He never finished the series, like, right? So, like, the yeah, I don't know. I mean, like that dude, that dude wrote the story for Elden Ring, dude. We gotta, we gotta oh, play that game. That's why I'm so stoked. We gotta play that game, man. That's why I'm especially stoked for that title. Yeah, that's exciting. I'm, I'm excited for that. When is that? I'm not seeing that releases right now. Oh, I thought it was in November. It's not in November. It's in January. January 22nd, 2022. Oof, that's quite a bit. You know what? That's the same day as? Same day as Legends Arceus. Same weekend, I think. 
Also, I have a wedding that weekend. So good games to play during the wedding. I, <laughs> I will not be playing either of those games during the wedding. Okay, actually, no, hold on. That's that's the that is the weekend before the wedding, actually. So that I will be oh, attending. Yes, sir. So I'll be able to play a little bit of that. <laughs> yes, <sir. laughs> yeah, that's exciting. I'm really excited for that one. But yeah, so the last thing I want to talk about as far as start story goes, uh, I want to talk about Ghost of Tsushima, man. Because I know that you basically really all I know is that you bought it. And I really want to know what you think after getting into it a little bit. Yeah, I really I just really want to talk about this. So I guess this will probably contain a little bit of spoilers for the little bit of I don't know. I guess we don't even really need to say that because we never really said it for anything else. But yeah, dude, Ghost of Tsushima, man. Dude, what a title. I'm so <laughs> glad I got my hands on this. I love the fighting mechanics. Oh, dude, they're so cool, man. Oh, I love it. They're so clean and you know, they're very intuitive. And and the engine, just the, the engine that the game runs on is so smooth. Bro, it is so beautiful. They just do such a good job of like putting you in this world and like the little bit of commentary that goes on the side and all the audio in the background. It really is a game design. This is like one hell of a story game. Yeah, no, it definitely is. And like, I, I want to know as, cause I kind of, one of the things that I really liked about it right out of the gate is that you immediately get put into the, the story. Like you're immediately playing it. Did you like that? Did you like how they kind of did the tutorial of this one? Yeah. Yeah. I did like that a lot. And I also liked the cutscenes. You know, I felt like they were really seamless. And they didn't do too much. They did a really good job of like really, really bringing you into this experience. I'm grateful you put me onto this title. Oh yeah, man. I I'm gonna be honest, dude. I I can like it's all I can think about. <laughs> I really just want to play it so bad. Like I really want to get back to New York to play that. And oh man, dude. Um, I just like think about where I left off and it's, it's, it's honestly, it's a really cool story. So like, I guess like the, the story part that we didn't really touch on is you're kind of a samurai and you have like a whole array of like stealth options that you can use and like how to like, you're really encouraged game mechanic wise to like kill people via like assassination and stealth. But then like you're a samurai and you're never like, you're not supposed to kill somebody from while their back is turned. And it's kind of like the the whole thing of like Jin is the the main character and he's like kind of like the last samurai. Like you do interact with other samurai, but it's like the tables are just stacked against you, against this army. And it's like, how do you kind of grapple with like your code and like you doing what's got to be done to save your island and your people? And you're kind of like, which is worse, like me compromising my code or like people suffering and dying? and that's i think that's really interesting i think that's really cool i'm really that, about that that like the lament in the game that moral aspect and again it's like it's i guess you can kind of say that storytelling it's like adding that like morality to it you know that's that's an aspect of stories that you know is really compelling to us is like is what that character did moral is the way that this character behaves you know a moral way to behave Morality is a really interesting part of our stories, and they play a huge role. And Tsushima really embellishes on that. And I didn't really want to touch in, touch into the story because I think this is one of those titles where it's like 
you got to get into it and you got to play it for yourself. And, and I want all oh. of our listeners to just to have that experience. Ghost of Tsushima is one of those titles where, like, if you play video games at all, I'm sure it'll find its way into you into your library one way or another it's, it's that good of a title i mean people are just raving about it and it's not that it's not that old man it's a pretty young title so yeah they actually like this past week they just released a new a director's cut edition director's cut edition which has like dlc to the game that we both have but yeah no it's like kind of going off of that like the 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 setting of the story really provides like a circumstance for you as a character to like feel or like you as a player to like feel the story. Yeah. And I just got to ask, man, what do you prefer to do? Like if you get the option, do you do like the standoff or do you do the stealth? I do the stealth. I think that adds like that level of like other than anxiety and like it really puts you in this situation. Yeah. I do the standoff every time I get the chance, man. I just, I love it, man. I love like, I also like, I, I feel like I said, you're, you're very much encouraged to play this game like stealth wise. And like there's, it adds like a whole nother layer to it when you do do that. But, oh man, I just love just like, cause as soon as you hit like the standoff, your character like yells and like announces themselves. And then you go to like this, like little cinematic cutscene. It's like you one V one against this guy. And I just think it's so satisfying to get that like just this assassination where you just like zip your sword out and just like slice them like one hit one kill oh i love that and then also like it also provides like a little bit more chaos to it because all the enemies know you're there and then they all start attacking you so you really got to prioritize the combat from there which i think i mean there are two different ways to play and i think it's really cool to have that because i mean like there are some circumstances where you might want to just do stealth you know but there are like if you can see a horde of 50 enemies, you're probably going to try and take out some of the ones that you know are going to distract you or, or be of a hindrance to you. Yeah, man, I, I just, oh, I just want to play that game right now, dude. <laughs> get back, man. I want to play some yeah, zombies with you too. All right, man. You ready to end this up? All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening to this episode where we pretty much just talked about, oh, hold up. Do you want to talk about the new zombies, man? Uh, let's save that. Okay. We'll save it for when I get to get a chance to play it. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode where we pretty much just talked about the story beats of games. And I don't know, like, I guess I'm, I guess I can speak for myself here. I thought it was a pretty good discussion. I mean, I definitely came into this and I had some opinions and I, they've kind of shifted a little bit since having this, this discussion. It's good. I'm glad to hear that, Blake. You know, I also think it was a very fruitful discussion. And thank you all for tuning in. As always, the Sticky Buns podcast, you're going you're gonna to have a really good episode. So stay tuned <laughs> and uh, got some more good content coming your way. Yeah, absolutely. We got, uh, we got a lot of things coming your way. We got some streams and some YouTube videos. So please make sure you're subscribed to our YouTube channel. You'll probably be able to catch the streams there as well after we do those. And if you'd like to support us on Patreon, um, you can support us for as little as $1 and that be a huge help to us and if you do support us on patreon thank you so much and you do get access to our monthly bonus episodes and last month it was loki which that was a lot of fun to that was a lot of fun to record i had a Ooh, good time with that, that was one. so much fun. <laughs> yeah we really talked about a lot of mcu stuff and also like loki some fan theories and some other stuff so if you'd like to check that out you can check that out on patreon tune in tune in 
<laughs> yeah, and thank you guys. Just thank you all just so much for listening. It really means the world to us. Obviously, like we're having a blast out here because we just talked about stories for about an hour and a half. But yeah, I think that's pretty much all I have. So thank I guess just thanks so much again. Peace in the streets. <laughs> <laughs>